we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. In Jeremiah chapter number 29, we come this evening. The Bible said, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives. Note that phrase, carried away captives. And to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah, the king and the queen and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives and Pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which he caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. If you're taking notes, I want to give you this title, Clarity for Those in Captivity. Clarity for Those in Captivity. I want us to pray together and then We'll look together at this portion of the Word of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we do thank you for the day that you've given to us and the privilege that is ours to meet together. Oh, Father, it is truly good to be in your house tonight among your people uh, with the privilege that we have to look together into your Word and to worship you. We thank you for all that we've already experienced. We pray especially for this young one, uh, that has uh, this illness, this little child. And, uh, Father, we pray for the parents and 
We pray for this, this child to be healed. We know there are many, many, many children who are sick with various viruses and illnesses, many adults, uh, many people who are uh, dealing with COVID and other viruses. And, uh, Father, we pray for your blessing and your protection upon this congregation, for your healing of power upon those who are sick. We ask you to meet every need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine living in captivity. Uh, these people who had lived in Jerusalem of the tribe of Judah, uh, people whose lives were identified with the land in which they lived. They loved that land. It was the land that God had provided for them, is the land that God had given them, the land of Canaan. They're no longer in that land. Uh, their king that had ruled over them was no longer ruling over them. Their government had changed. They were now ruled by a foreign power, one that they had no knowledge of. Their temple was destroyed. And their religious life that they had known and been identified by had now changed. They're living in Babylon. They're in captivity. There's no doubt that this message is a message from God to those uh, Jews who are in captivity. But we find there are many principles and truths which apply to those who may find themselves in captivity today. I think as, as I've reflected up upon the events that have been taking place in our nation, uh, as I see what's happening politically, as I see what's happening morally, as I see a, an increasing antagonistic view uh, towards God's people, God's truth, as we see a tidal wave of immorality, uh, just like a tsunami wave crashing against us, as we see many of our children being deceived and carried away from the truth, it's hard to believe that we're living in the same nation that we grew up in. I'm 53 years old, and uh, it's hard for me to imagine that this has happened to our country. And if I'm not careful, I'll dwell on it too much. If I'm not careful, it will discourage me greatly. But I, I want you to know, I feel like I've been standing at the bedside of the death of a nation. And I've watched it die. And I'm living in a land that is strange to me. I'm living in a land that is foreign to me. And I imagine that many of you, especially those of you who have lived a while in this nation, feel the same way that I do. Now, I certainly don't want to be fatalistic. I, I don't want to depress and discourage you. As I said, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll dwell in that land too long. And the truth is these captives are living in Babylon, and no doubt they're discouraged. No doubt they're wondering what's going to happen to them. 
And in the midst of that discouragement, God speaks. Isn't it a blessed thing that God speaks? May we never take for granted the fact that we have the Word of God. And we need to hear it in these days more, not less. And as we hear the Word of God, something happens in our lives. Faith cometh by, say it with me, hearing, and hearing by the, say it with me, Word of God. So when I have the Word of God and I hear the Word of God, it produces faith in me. And I want you to know that I need faith. I need encouragement. I need strength to believe God and to trust God and to serve God. Because what the devil wants to do and what he is doing in many hearts and minds is intimidate us and scare us and cause us to live defeated lives, to cause us uh, to retreat rather than to serve the Lord. And this was no time for God's people to retreat. And so in the midst of this captivity, God speaks and gives them clarity. And I want you to note some things tonight that I hope God will use in your heart, in your life, to give you clarity as we identify ourselves tonight with those who are living in a foreign land. And we know that this world is not our home. Uh, I've sung that since I was a child. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But the truth of the matter is that so many of us live as if it is our home. And it has so uh, affected us and shaped who we are and how that we think. And I believe that one of the things that God is doing uh, in these times, the things that we see happening in our nation are reminding us that this world is not our home. And I'm so happy to say that, aren't you? I'm so grateful. Now, let me give you some truths tonight, some clarity uh, for those in captivity. Number one, we need to understand that God has placed us in Babylon. God has placed us in Babylon. Now, if we're not careful, and no doubt many of those Jews who found themselves living in Babylon carried hundreds and hundreds of miles away from their homeland, uh, carried from a place where at least they had a form of worship of God. We know that they were there because they had turned their backs on God because they had lived in idolatry. But now there's no, there's no semblance of worship of God there in Babylon. All those gods are pagan gods. They're idols to be worshiped. But we need to understand something. We're not here, and they were not there as a result of Nebuchadnezzar's scheme or Nebuchadnezzar's power. No army could match Nebuchadnezzar's army, right? Nebuchadnezzar had conquered many lands and many nations. He reminded the people of Jerusalem that. And his army came in unimpeded and uh, overthrew uh, the Jews and took captive the people of Judah. He repopulated that region of Judah and Jerusalem with those uh, from the nations that he had conquered. But we need to understand something in the midst of all of this. 
that it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who carried them away. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who allowed that to happen. It was God himself. It was God who placed them there. Now, why is that important for us to know? Because we need to recognize tonight who is in control. Who is in control? What does the Bible tell us about the times in which we live? This know also that in the last days, what? Perilous times shall come. We're already told that. Uh, We are told that uh, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We live in an age of deception. We don't even know what to believe. Uh, No, we can't even agree, and and doctors can't agree on what we need to do uh, to, to fight a virus. And people are so polarized, and people even in a congregation like this have so many different viewpoints on the subject. And we, we question the motives of those who try to guide us and, and give us guidance. And, and uh, so uh, we're living in, in very difficult times. We need to understand something, though. We're not victims of circumstance. We are not in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. We are not in the hands of the devil. We are not in the hands of political powers tonight. We are in the hand of God. Look at it, verse 4. Thus the Lord of hosts. (laughs) That's a powerful name. God wants you to understand. He is the leader of a mighty army, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He wants them to understand who is speaking. Who's he speaking to? Unto all that are carried away captives. Note this, please. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. God said, this has happened because I've caused it to happen. Now, it happened as a result of their idolatry. It happened as a result of their unwillingness to heed the message of the prophets who warned them time and time again for years after year after year to return to God, to forsake their idolatry, and they refused. And therefore, God carried out his plan of judgment against his people, to chasten them, to chasten them. And because of their sin, God places them in Babylon. So we need to understand that tonight. God has allowed this to happen. God has placed us in Babylon. Number two, notice verse number five, build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Now, that's some advice that you wouldn't expect to hear. Imagine you're a Jew, you're carried away into Babylon by this foreign army. Now, imagine that's you. There were people there who were ready to fight. They were ready to resist. They couldn't wait to escape. They were trying to figure out a way to get out of the situation they were in. You know, there's a lot of people in our nation tonight who have failed to realize that God is in control and they're fighting against what God is doing. They're resisting. They're fighting and God says, wait a minute. No, you need to understand something. I've placed you there and you need to live your life there. You need to live your life. Don't lament. Don't, don't waste time. Don't, don't fight this. Don't, uh, don't, don't live in regret. Don't, Don't live in frustration. Don't live in fear. Notice what he says to them. Build ye houses. 
He's saying, settle down. You're going to be there for a while. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. God says, yes, you're living in a foreign land, but I want you to understand that I have a purpose and plan for your life, and I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to live in the realm of my blessings. Build ye houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Live your life. Occupy, Jesus said, till when? Till I come. Now, we don't know the moment of his coming, but what does he tell us to do? He says, occupy. Do the work that I've given you to do. He says, work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. But we still have an opportunity today to live our lives, to build our houses, to dwell in them, to plant gardens, to work, to labor, to enjoy our life, and to enjoy God's blessings. Live your lives in Babylon. Then we note a third thing. We find it in verse number six. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. God says, lead your family in Babylon. Lead your family in Babylon. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters, have a family, lead your family, love your family, take care of your family, take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. Uh, let's multiply, let's uh, replenish, the Bible says, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. God says, I'm sending you up there in a foreign territory and I want you to flourish there. I want your family uh, to flourish there, your children to marry and bear children, and I want to see the people of God increase. Uh, we live in a world that has an attitude toward children as if there's some uh, inconvenience or some financial liability. Our children are made in the image of God. They are the hope of the future. And God says, have children, love your wife, lead your family. When God wanted to make himself known to the pagan world, who did he choose to make himself known? He chose a family. He chose a man named Abraham, and he chose a woman named Sarah, husband and wife. And he said to them, I'm going to bless you. Now, this was an unlikely family, was it not? Because of their age, they had no child. God said, uh, you're going to have a child. In fact, you're going to have children, so many, uh, from, from uh, the, the descendants of, of your child. There are going to be so many, you can't count them. They'll be like the sand on the seashore, or they'll be like the stars in the sky without number. God said, I'm going to do that for you, 75-year-old man, 65-year-old woman. Now, that didn't happen the next day, did it? It happened 25 years later. You see, God waits sometimes and waits and waits until it's just really impossible, <laughs> and then God does a work. I want to tell you that though we're living 
in the midst of dry and dark days, spiritually speaking, God can do a work. God can do a work in our church. And I want to encourage you men to lead your families. The devil hates your family, and he wants to oppose your family. Abraham and Sarah showed up in the land of Canaan, and they bore testimony of the true and the living God. The people of the land got to know them, and maybe they were familiar. Maybe they heard the story in that 25 years uh, when, when Abram was a sojourner in Canaan. Maybe they heard the story that they were going to have a child, and they thought, man, it's not looking likely, is it? But then all of a sudden, guess what happened? God blessed. You see, the pagan world will come to know the true and the living God through the people who know God. And your family, as we live in these days of degradation, as we live in these days of immorality where the family is being really done away with, one of the statements in the Black Lives Matter platform was that they, they wanted to abolish the nuclear family. They wanted to do away with that. I want you to know that the Black Lives Matter movement has nothing to do with preserving black lives. It has everything to do with an anti-God agenda. Now, they've since taken some of those statements off their website, but we need to understand that's who these people are. And we do not need to be deceived by them. And so God says, your family is important. Lead your family. Uh, gentlemen, we're having a men's breakfast in a couple of weeks. I hope all of you can be there. I want to share some things that God's put on my heart. And we need to pray for our families. We need to lead our families because our children are growing up in Babylon. You know what kind of culture they had in Babylon? Uh, it was a sinful, wicked culture demonically inspired culture, a sexually confused, immoral culture. Sounds a lot like America, doesn't it? So may God help us. Here's something we wouldn't expect. Look at verse 7. This is the fourth thing. Seek the peace of Babylon. While you're living in Babylon, seek the peace of Babylon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notice verse 7 and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives. Christians are not insurrectionists. Can I say that again? Christians are not insurrectionists. We're not here to lead a revolt and overthrow the government. Now, I don't agree with a lot the government's doing, right? But my weapon is not carnal. It's mighty indeed to the pulling down of strongholds. What is that? My weapon is the truth of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I am to live in obedience to Christ. I am to represent him. Now, remember the disciples said, Lord, uh, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? You know, we went over there to preach the gospel and they wouldn't let us in. So should we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Do you ever find yourself wishing? Now, let's be honest. God would... <laughs> send down fire from heaven and do away with some of this opposition, do away with some of this immorality and some of this wickedness. And the Lord said, wait a minute. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to do what? To save them. 
to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. You see, when we look at them, we need to understand that we were once among them. And if not for the grace of God, we would believe what they believe. We would want to live the way they would want to live. And so our job is to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to seek the peace of Babylon. It doesn't mean we approve of what they're doing, but we're to seek the peace of the city. Now think about the city of Hickory. Are we seeking the peace of the city of Hickory? Now what's the best thing we can do to seek peace in Hickory? Well, it's to be the messengers of peace. Now who's brought peace to Hickory? The Lord Jesus Christ. He has committed to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. God, to wit, the Bible says that Christ was in the world reconciling men to God. The ministry, the purpose that Jesus came was to bring peace. And we have the gospel of peace. Let your feet shod, be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We have the message of peace. If we want the city of Hickory to live in peace, then we don't need to stir up the waters. We need to preach the truth. This is our job. This, this is our task. And we need to ask the Lord to help us to remain focused on what he has called us to do. Seek the peace of Babylon. Number five, and notice again, verse seven, and what's the next word, church? Pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof, ye shall have peace. Now, he said, remember, you're living now in Babylon, so you need to pray for the peace of Babylon. You, you don't want the city of Babylon to be overthrown. You don't want the enemy to come in until I'm ready for that to happen, until my plan is accomplished, because you don't want your life and your children to be swept away in it. So pray for the city of Babylon. Pray for it. I have to admit to you, I, I don't think I pray enough for the city of Hickory. In fact, I'll just readily tell you, I do not pray enough for the city of Hickory. I might complain about it, or I might brag on it, but I don't pray enough about it. I want to encourage our church that we need to pray for our city. We need to pray for the leaders. We need to pray uh, for uh, the districts and the, the little communities in our city. Uh, we need to send the gospel into our city and we need to be intentional about it. This is what God has called us to do. If we don't do what God has given us to do, then what reason do we exist? What purpose do we have? We're not a social club. We're not a place where we can just gather and feel good about ourselves. We are here to do the work of God. Number six, don't be deceived in Babylon. Don't be deceived. Notice verse 8 and verse 9. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners. Now notice that. Your prophets and your diviners. Not my prophets. He's not saying they're his prophets. They're saying they are your prophets. 
and your diviners that be in the midst of you. Don't let them deceive you. It's what he's saying. Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. They were inundated with false prophets. Do you know that we're inundated today in our nation with false prophets? Men who will not preach the truth. Men who want to tickle people's ears. Uh, men who want to enrich themselves. Men who want to uh, propagate their name, not the name of Jesus. Now, in Jerusalem, in, in, in uh, uh, Jeremiah's day, rather, he was one that was praying and crying out to the people and prophesying, but his message was a gloom and doom message. I mean, his message was not live your best life today. That was not his message. His message was not, we want you to feel good when you come to church. His message was not, let me give you 10, uh, 10 ways uh, to enjoy your life, or, or let me give you 10, uh, 10 uh, hints of, or, or, or 10 principles that will uh, cause you to be happy. No, he's preaching judgment. And the people didn't want to hear it. They had an appetite to hear something else. And so they said to Jeremiah, time and time again, if you read the book of Jeremiah, they said this to him, if you will tell us the truth, we'll listen. So he told them the truth. And do you know what they told him? We reject what you have to say. We're living in an age where people have turned their ears away from the truth. And this is what Paul warned Timothy of, did he not? The Bible speaks of the end times, and the Bible tells us that the deception will be so strong that if it were possible, the very elect could be deceived. Who are the elect? They are those who know the Lord. They are those who he has known since the foundation of the world. Are you part of the elect? Do you know that the deception of the end times, the deception of the days in which we live, is so strong that it is possible that some of us could be affected. Now, if we truly know Christ, we're not going to be drawn away from him. But there are times when our thinking changes, right? There are times when we're so conditioned by the world. A neighbor of mine came to spoke with me uh, just a few days ago, and we were talking about all that was happening in our nation. And uh, he attends a church, not, not a church that uh, like this one. I don't think they take... I'm not speaking of him, but I'm, I'm thinking about his church. I, I, I don't think they take the position on the Bible or the end times like we would take. I don't think those things are preached in that circle. But he said this to me. He said, I think the problem with so many of our young people today is that they are afraid, they're intimidated and afraid to stand against what the world's telling them. Well, that's exactly what's happening, isn't it? And see, this, this message that they're being bombarded with is such a deceptive message. And the tactics uh, that uh, the Nebuchadnezzars of this world are using through intimidation are, are causing many uh, to pledge allegiance to that which they really don't believe in their heart. They may pledge allegiance to it, but in their conscience, they know it, not, they know it is not true. But nonetheless, because they do not want to be uh, ostracized or reproached, then they keep their mouth closed. 
and they find prophets and they find preachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Do you know that there are those within the church? You've heard this term. Many of you have. Some of you may not. The term woke. What does that mean? Well, that's a, that's a new term. It's a term that the progressives use. You know, those who want to do away with the Bible, those who want to do away with the nuclear family, those who want to say that Christianity is based on some right-wing extreme uh, political philosophy uh, that wants to do away with patriarchal leadership. You hear the term patriarchy used in negative connotations time and time again today. Those people call themselves progressives or woke. And those people and their philosophy has crept into the realm of Christianity. I, lose, I use that term loosely. But there are pastors and churches that are woke. They're trying to make friends with the world. They're trying to harmonize the message of God with the message of the world. Those two things will not harmonize. And God says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I see this happening in social media posts and, and some of the thinking of, of young men in, in ministry and their, their discontentment with their spiritual forefathers. They are embracing this woke philosophy and theology. It's false. It's not truth. And God says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, young person. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived, ma'am. Do not be deceived, sir, in Babylon. Let me give you the last thing. Notice it in verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. What did Jesus say? If I go, I will do what? I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Lord said, you're living in Babylon, but I'm coming to get you. I'm returning, and I'm coming to get you. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You know, when you're living in Babylon, when you see what's happening all around you, you begin to wonder, has God forgotten us? What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my grandchildren? I, I must confess to you that I think those thoughts often. I think them often. Well, I need to be reminded that as much as I think about that, God thinks far more about me. As much as I think about my children and my grandchildren, God thinks far more about them than I can. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace. What does God want for my life? Peace, not evil, to give you an expected end. Verse 12, then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. I want to tell you that this evening, God is a God who has made a promise to us that he's going to receive us to himself. 
that he is going to bring us to an expected end. And when we call upon him, he hears us. Have you ever prayed and felt as if nothing happened or if no one heard your prayers? I must confess to you that that happens to me from time to time as well. Do you know what the devil and the flesh do? They try to convince us that God doesn't hear and that God doesn't care. But we have a high priest who's in the heavens who ever lived to make intercession for us. And he hears the faintest cry of his children, does he not? The faintest cry that we offer to him, he hears. He says in verse 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. I want to ask you a question. What is it going to take for us to be willing to seek him? What's it going to take? I think it took this catastrophic event for the people of Israel to understand they need to seek God. The prophet had warned them time and time again. They had turned deaf ears to his message. They had turned a deaf ear to God. But the Lord gave them a promise. He said, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. What is it going to take for you and for me to seek the Lord with all our hearts? May God help us to seek him. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. God said, if you seek me, you'll find me. I'll hear you. I'll deliver you. I'll bless you while you live in Babylon. Remember, God is in control. He has placed us here. Remember what Esther said? For who knoweth whether or not I've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What an exciting time to be alive. What an exciting time to serve God on the doorstep of his return. Oh, may God help us to be faithful and understand that he is in control, that he has placed us here. Number two, that we would live our lives. We're, we're not going to live in despair. We're not going to live in fear. No, we're going to build houses. We're going to dwell in them. We're going to plant gardens, and we're going to enjoy the fruit of those gardens. We're going to be a testimony and a witness for the Lord. We're going to lead our families. May God help us to do a better job of it. We're going to seek the peace of Babylon. We're going to carry the message of the gospel to our community, not just in the track form or a book form, and that needs to happen, but with our personal lives and our personal witness and getting involved in the lives of other people who don't know Jesus. I want to ask you a question. Who do you know outside of this church that you spend time with? Who are you talking to who's not a Christian? who needs Jesus, what are you doing to invest in their life, to get to know them, to make a friend, to have a dinner with them? What are you doing to seek the peace of Hickory? What am I doing? I'll confess to you, not enough. 
it's comfortable to sit in the office and prepare sermons and meet with the staff and go to Christian school chapels. It's comfortable. I could do it all day, every day. But I need to seek the peace of my city. Pray for Babylon. Pray for the peace of the city. Don't be deceived. Don't don't allow my heart to be carried away. And remember God's promises and seek him. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.